Chapter Twenty Two of The Heron Nest by W. Bert Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twenty Two. No. Under the stars that night, pacing back and forth in the barnyard, or sitting side by side on the great oak log that lay there, the brothers thrashed the thing out for hours. And their conclusion was this. Harry must be made to tell what he knew. Twice their father had seemed to have a flickering remembrance of that old, old time when Pearl Mary was brought a helpless infant to their door. He might, or he might not, ever be able to relate the facts connected therewith, clearly and intelligently. But the tramp held the key to the whole mystery. As long as I only knew this, Billy said gravely, I did not see the wisdom of trying to get out of the fellow whatever he knows. But it is different now, good or bad, whatever the story may be. Pearl Mary will never be satisfied, will never be happy again, indeed, until she knows his story. And will she then? cried Jack racked by the thought of the pain he knew the girl was bearing alone? That we cannot tell. But the scoundrel may lie about it. He may. Billy, what shall we do? How get at the truth? How be sure that the story Harry relates to us is the true explanation of the mystery? You ask me questions that I cannot answer, returned his brother i see no other move in this matter if harry can be made to speak we must use our judgment then as to the acceptance of his statement as true but the mysterious tramp had gone away from the farm immediately after the incident related in the last chapter he did not return the next day a week passed with no news of him although billy himself went to the village and tried to learn where he had gone. But Harry seemed to have dropped out of their lives, as he always did when he was ready to go on one of his objectless journeys, without a word, and without leaving a clue as to his route or destination. Billy had to go to his sister with this report. She bore the blow bravely, but her spirits were quenched. She was no longer the happy, laughing, contented girl that she had been, and she put Jack firmly away from her, too. She avoided him as she had before, but now for another reason. There was nothing coquettish in her manner. She was not postponing a happiness that, even before this wretched secret was divulged, she had been almost afraid to grasp. "'I will not listen to you, Jack,' she told him with a firmness and with a steadiness of purpose that he had not dreamed was underlying in her character. I should not have encouraged you. Once I would not have done so, and I believed then that you felt the difference between us two, the gulf that divides me from you all who have been so kind and loving to me, a nameless nobody. No, the loving, tender care of your mother, and of Granny and Aunt Nanny, showered on a helpless child whose own parents were perhaps so vile and low that they forsook her oh jack 
can't you understand suppose that terrible man were my own father suppose my unknown mother god forgive me for saying it was only a wanderer upon the earth like harry himself can't you feel for me can't you realize my position sometime if i married you i might shame you all the mystery might be revealed and you you would be stained with the mire out of which i had crawled to ruin you i won't listen to you cried her lover you have no right to speak of yourself so and what matters it who your parents were i do not know them nor do you we have nothing to do with the past let the dead bury their dead i want you and you only declared the big fellow fiercely and i'll wait for you till you change your mind and see this thing aright meanwhile you are only making both our hearts sore pearl mary but she would not listen as before the trio kept this new secret from the other members of the family but it was very very hard to do this for the minds of jack and billy and pearl mary were miserable indeed they scarcely put heart into their work and had not the running of the farm been almost mechanical now many important things would have been neglected while their spirits were so low and their minds so torn by anxiety the greatest material success crowned their efforts in august they harvested their finest crop of onions they had planted in all nearly two acres and the well-enriched black soil yielded almost six hundred bushels to the acre a bumper harvest indeed from the proceeds of the sale of the onions and the early tomatoes they were able to pay their debt to mr short satisfy the tax claims on the farm pay the interest on the mortgage and give their friend mr mendon five hundred dollars in settlement of half the thousand dollar note he held against them billy dared do this because of the promise of their later harvest the outlook for the celery was most encouraging and more than half of the tomato crop was yet to be gathered they would have a large amount of roots in the fall too and billy purchased some good breeding pigs and two more head of young stock to help eat up the surplus during the winter the corn on the uplands was thriving indeed everything about the heron nest save the hearts of the trio whose fortunes we have been particularly following was in better state than ever before the future promised all manner of material success but billy and jack and pearl mary ah this rosy outlook did not interest them veronica calvert remained with them through the summer and her improvement both in body and disposition continued her father and mother drove out once a fortnight usually on a sunday to meet her but dr midgley said she must remain at the heron nest until cold weather at least he did not often see her himself but aunt nanny wrote him regular reports and one of the boys was usually in town and called on uncle calvert at least once between every pair of visits he made to the mountain farm uncle calvert's opinion of the wisdom and judgment of the nephews had undergone a pronounced change they were making money 
and Uncle Calvert respected anybody who did that. Beside, the outlook for a great deal of money being made out of the Heron Nest farm in time seemed promising, and last, but by no means least, Veronica had confided to her mother and father that Billy Heron seemed to be in high favor with the daughter of Marcus Van Coe, the banker, whose estate Billy superintended. Mr. Calvert's attitude toward Pearl Mary when he was at the farm was rather puzzling. Veronica had come to like the girl, whom once she had refused to call cousin immensely. She was always praising Pearl Mary, or quoting her to her parents, and that the girl whose parentage was in doubt had been exceedingly kind to their daughter, the Calverts very well knew. But these facts did not wholly explain the expression of Uncle Calvert's face when he was watching Pearl Mary, and thought himself unobserved. He was most courteous to her, too, almost tender, in fact. It was a mystery that perhaps nobody noticed but Billy and the girl herself. Neither could guess the reason for his evident change of heart, for he was not of a grateful nature, and her kindness to Veronica did not satisfactorily explain the puzzle. And he was so secretive about it. Billy once caught him, looking after his sister with tears actually standing in his eyes, and his fat face convulsed with an emotion that would actually have been funny had not young Heron realized that whatever was causing Mr. Calvert such acute misery was no laughing matter for the old man. It could not be because he compared Pearl Mary with Veronica and wished his daughter possessed the abundant health of the farmer. Veronica was progressing finally at this time. It was a problem to which there seemed no present answer. However, about this time, Billy came face to face with another enigma which rather put Uncle Calvert's strange actions out of his mind. Billy was in the city on business for Mr. Van Coe, and before returning he went around by Mr. Calvert's office. On the corner, nearest to the place of his destination, he almost ran into a man who was coming hurriedly towards him. The two dodged each other for a moment or two, as pedestrians sometimes will, and then suddenly Billy got a glimpse of the man's face, and he halted, stock still, expelling a gasp of amazement as he did so. The man was oldish, with reddish-gray hair and a heavy roan mustache. He was otherwise cleanly shaven and there was a smartness about his appearance and attire that did not compare well with his blotched face and narrow, twinkling eyes. His clothing was not only smart, but loud. He wore a spotted vest, tight pants, a frock coat, and a straw hat with a colored band upon it. There was a heavy gilt chain stretched from pocket to pocket across the rather protuberant front of his vest. The man gave Billy scarcely a look. He hurried on, almost running, it seemed, and disappeared around the corner. The amazing familiarity of the fellow's appearance, and yet the fact that we believed it could not possibly be Harry, the tramp, held Billy spellbound for several minutes. It never could be him in the world, muttered young Heron. Yet what a very strange look he gave me. I could almost have sworn that he winked at me. 
and his eyes were of the same watery blue as Harry's. But if Harry had struck luck and was dressed up like that fellow, he surely could not have resisted the temptation to stop and tell me all about it. Now, I wonder. He went on to Mr. Calvert's office. His uncle was squeezed into his armchair as usual, before his desk, but he was not in his usual mood. In fact, when Billy came in, he seemed in a brown study, and the expression on his face was so hopeless and so sorrowful that Billy was quite touched by it. He made his presence known by asking, "'Are you sick, Uncle Calvert? What can I do for you?' The old man started, awoke from his daze, and scowled. "'Him! That you, Billy?' he grunted. "'I—I I guess I was dreaming.' "'And not a pleasant dream, I take it?' said Billy, cheerfully. The other looked at him closely for a minute, and then said, grumpily, "'Wait till you get to my age, Billy Heron. You won't have many pleasant dreams, either.' And that is all he would say in comment upon his mood. His nephew finally went away quite as much puzzled by his appearance as he had been by the resemblance of the man he met on the nearby corner to Harry the Tramp. End of chapter 22